0: Welcome to the NARPOm Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig.
1: Welcome to the Narpen Podcast. We've got a pretty interesting show here today. It's a little kind of unique show. We're going to have Trish and Amber Ferrier from First Class Realty on. Trish started First Class with her husband, Rob, and they've owned it for, for many years. And Amber is her daughter, and Amber is now working in the business. And now they're working towards Amber and her sister, Ashley, and her brother, Rob, that are going to take over the business at at some point. So we're talking like legacy businesses today and and literally gain, you know, get some knowledge about how that that looks, what that looks like and and how to set that up. So if you are in a legacy business or you're thinking about bringing your kids into the business, this is the, the right show for you. So Trish is the president and broker of First Class Realty. First woman to earn an NPM in Houston. Our firm also holds the CRMC, so Trish is all in on NARPAM. She, ser- she served as the Houston chapter president and ambassador for the central region. And Trish has owned a bunch of properties, investment properties. So I'm really looking forward to uh, having this conversation with uh, Trish and Amber. I think it's going to be uh, an interesting conversation. But before we get to them, let's get to the topic all right so i'm just gonna go on this rant about section eight and i know everybody's like oh man section eight is great you need to do section eight guarantee money blah 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 so me personally i tried it uh, years ago and now i hate it and i'm like that old man get off my lawn and i hate everything about section eight and i'm never gonna get another try and i don't need to anymore because i don't own a pm firm anymore but personally i just hate anything the gov- government gets involved in Yes, I'm a big fan of privatization. All right, kill me. But the government, they mess everything up. And the Section 8 program is a great program that was meant to be a great program. And then, of course, they get the government involved and they just, you know, red tape the program to death. And so what do I mean by that? Well, you ever try to get in touch with anybody from, from the Section 8 office, and it's just like, it's impossible to get anything done. They, they, they don't operate at the same level as we do with our businesses so to get a property even listed or to get people approved or to get the inspection done, it's just a long list of, of, of try, like, just sending emails. Like, you almost have to, like, literally go to the office sometimes. I had to do this multiple times just to get, the, the, you know, the next piece of the red tape removed, so to speak. So, uh, and then, of course, you know, they, they hire people that just, you know, are literally the worst, and they never want to do their job. they want to, you know they they never want to go above and beyond. and and I know i'm I'm painting a broad brush here, but you you get the uh, you know think of the DMV employee, right? They now when they if they ever left the DMV, they went to section eight basically. On top of that, I hated dealing with the inspections, right? Let's be honest. the houses that we're we want the section eight people in are not our Class A top of the line houses. they are Class C or Class D properties that we're trying to get, you know, people good, clean houses that are functional, but they're not, you know, they're not the, the Taj Mahal here, right? And so, but what happened is Section 8 would finally, after weeks and weeks, uh, they would finally send an inspector, and then the inspector would fail the house, right? So they have like this, they have a checklist. I think they make up their own, by the way. So nothing is structured. Nothing is like... They don't use the same checklist over and over. And so he might fail the house because, I mean, I literally failed the house because there, there was not a tax strip on the rug. Like, literally, they failed things like I live in my house, but it's not good enough for these Section 8 folks, which, is, which, which just drove me nuts. But that's okay. So I put a tax strip down. Of course, I can't do it right there when he's there. They won't allow that. So I want to have my maintenance guy with me and say, hey, point out the four things, I'll fix them right there, and you can pass it. Nope, not allowed to do that. Again, like I I can't streamline stuff. So then the guy fails. He he might mark four things. Okay, great. So I knock him out like later that day or next day. And then I have to wait another week or so to get another inspection to come out. Do you think it's the same guy they send out? Nope. It's somebody different. Do you think that that guy is looking at the same inspection sheet that the first guy looked at? Nope. What this guy does is he he gets a blank sheet. Doesn't even look at what the inspector looked at last week. And he goes around the house and now he finds two or three different things. Same, now I gotta do the same thing. And this could go on literally for weeks and weeks at a time. And so I, I just, it just drove me absolutely nuts. So I just operate at a different speed than, than Section 8. But what really got me was, well, before I get into that, what I, another thing was like when, when they would do their annual inspections and it was a maintenance issue, they would then, and let's say the maintenance issue was a resident responsibility. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, one time I had a resident, the, the one of the windows cracked. Well, it's not the landlord responsibility, it's the resident responsibility per Section 8 here in Houston. But the Section 8 people don't even have enough money to pay their rent. Where are they going to get money to pay for a, a window? So that, what does that become? It becomes the owner's responsibility. It becomes our responsibility as the property management company, right? And then we could try to build back the resident. So, you know, so then if you take a hard stand on say this is the resident, they have to fix this. Well, now what happens is, you know, they come in, they inspect it again, the resident never fixed it. And then what they do is they will then they'll go back in time, right? So like let's say this happened in June. They will go and they will remove, they'll pull the money that they paid you from July's payment. They'll, they'll take the money from June and they won't pay you July. And so now what happens is imagine we were managing a bunch of properties. We had a whole, we had a bunch of section eight properties and section eight would send us uh, money, right? They would, they would ACHS money or send us, yeah, they would ACHS money. Right. And then one day it's like, wait, we didn't get all the money. And then we realized that they, they actually took money out from the, from the previous month for a couple of properties now what happens is my, my, my other properties that were not in abatement were short. We can't pay them because they pulled the money out from the last month or two months. And they can do this. And, and I already paid the owner that money for June. So now I have to like, you know, float the money, so to speak. It just, and then, then make your accounting people go crazy. So uh, I just, it, it just was not worth the amount of effort and time. So if you decide that you're going to work with Section 8, then I would make sure that there is an extra fee to charge to set it up. And then I would also charge a higher monthly rate to manage because it's going to cost your team a lot more. If you think calling the water company to turn on and turn off water is a pain in the butt, try reaching Section A and try dealing with those fools. We'll be right back after these commercial breaks and meet with uh, Trish and Amber Ferrier. We'll be right back.
2: Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today.
0: Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com.
3: That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S dot Renters Insurance
0: Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance.
1: All right, well, welcome back, everybody. And as promised, I have Trish and Amber, the women of first class realty here in Houston. Guys, thanks so much for being here today. Appreciate y'all.
3: I'm happy to be here.
1: All right. So, Trish, let's start with you. How long have you got well tell us a little bit about first class realty? Like why why'd you start it? How'd you start it? You know, and then if you want to tell us, if you want to tell us how many man properties you manage maybe to structure a little bit like uh, of that nature
3: uh yeah rob and i started first class realty a little over 20 years ago i've actually been in the property management business for over 30 years i started when i was 12 but um, (laughs) when i met him he had a different business and i was struggling to get mine going and he just joined forces with me and, and that's when we created first class realty
1: and First Class Realty is operates in Houston, Texas now? Correct. And how, how many, you guys only do single family?
3: Yeah, we have a few small, like duplexes and fourplexes, but it's mostly single family. And right now we're at about 500 doors.
1: Okay. All right. So when you were building the business with Rob, we know, unfortunately, if you guys are, do not know Rob Ferrier, he's actually one of my mentors and he was a great uh, friend of mine here in Houston, suddenly passed away. Is it four years now, Trish? Uh,
3: it, actually, it, six years. He passed away Golly. two days before Hurricane Harvey flooded our city. Exactly re- two days
1: before it flooded I re- our city. I, rem- I do remember that. So six years is gone. So when, when you guys were building the business, you had three kids. Were you guys anticipating the ch- that the kids would one day come into the business? And if so, how, how were you preparing them and the business for it?
3: Well, I honestly can tell you that was our dream, but we both agreed that we were not going to force it. It would be their choice. And at the time, and we have three kids, and the only one that always says she wanted to be a part of it was Amber. She said that from the time she was four. But uh, then we were really surprised when our oldest daughter was in college, and she decided she wanted to join our business and Amber just went right into it smoothly after she graduated high school. But we basically let it be their choice. And because we know that so many second and third generation businesses don't succeed because, and and we studied the factors and why they don't succeed. And most of the time it's things like you know they don't and they don't know the struggle that happens in the beginning you know when you don't know if you can make ends meet and you're and you're doing every single job and you and you can't reproduce that part but we were very adamant that the kids would have to start at the bottom and work their way up so that they could at least experience having to do every part of the business
1: even and the college degree even a college degree. Kids.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. She did. She was filing. She was, we didn't make her answer phones. You know, <laughs> Ashley's very, in, she's uh, an introvert. Amber. She's, yeah. she's still on the phones because she, she could talk to him. There's right.
1: a reason Amber's on this call and not Ashley, right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's right. <laughs> Ashley said, I'll pass. <laughs> but no, we made a most start at the bottom. And in fact, Rob actually made her finish her degree. She was, I think she was like a year and a half from graduating. And he said, you have a job here, but you must finish what you started. That's a very important lesson. Is, and she did; she finished.
1: So, if you have a small business, you know, like you have 500 units, which is you know pretty okay. decent size, but if you only have like 100 units, can you? Is it even possible? Like, do you have the, the work and the, and the revenue to bring in your your kids? Like, you have to like grow the business, right, so that you can prepare for for more more revenue for for the for the kids to be able to get paid. Yeah.
3: I think so. I, I know that in that situation, if you were still growing, you could probably have them on a where they're getting a piece of the profits while, until it gets to a point where you can give them a salary. But I know it 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 would be difficult. I would think because right now I have a staff of six, seven actually. But I, I can't imagine when we were 100 doors if I would have been able to bring them in and put them on a salary What well. I mean, good grief, Rob wasn't, and I were not always getting salaries back then.
1: I know the feeling. I'm waiting for VPM to pay me a salary. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amber, let's talk about you. So, you took a different path than your sister. Your sister wasn't sure she wanted to join, you wanted to join right away. Why do you think most kids? don't want to join their 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 parents business and and why did you want to join like what did you see either in the business or in the industry that that just attracted you
4: well although i did want to start as young as four mainly because of the phones i really enjoyed talking to people and i love the phones. and i always went with my mom to inspect homes and she took all these pictures which i love taking pictures too so i thought this is great but actually, when I was a freshman in high school, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer because I was so good at debate. And I thought, okay, this is great. And then my father you know, was very honest with me. He said, six years of college. And I said, no, it's okay. I'll just go back to real estate because I was not the best at school at all. But I really was also attracted to the, like that you actually need to network to do well in this business. And although I don't feel like I provide like a lot of, number knowledge I'm not really the best at math but I'm very good at talking to people and so when my mom said that that was actually something that this company could really use especially after losing my dad I thought there's just no it's a no-brainer I I'm, I'm meant to talk to people and I love the real estate industry property management so it was a no deal once I graduated high school to just go straight in
1: And so what is your what is your role today at the company
4: Currently I'm the maintenance manager so I do communicate between the owner and the vendor and the tenant and kind of mellowing out, you know, customer problems, things like that. But I also have been dabbling into the marketing side of things. Um, I recently got my license, so I'm very much in la-la land trying to figure out the social media game and um, all the new AI technology and all that good stuff. So I'm kind of juggling both.
1: Now, Trish, when you, you own the management company, when the kids joined, did you give them ownership? Like, how, how did how did the structure, the legal structure, work on that side not, of things? Not at
3: first. Uh, okay. Just like with them having to work their way up, they're also working into ownership piece of the company because I do think it's important to not just give things over. You have to to earn what you have, and so that's basically we are sub S corporation. And as they put their time in, then they get a little piece of the company until someday when they'll have the whole enchilada. But at this point, you know, when I'm 90 and I decide to retire, then I will let <laughs> them <to> have everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the way the sub S works is, and I'm, I'm not an attorney here, but do they, do they just get a percent, a smaller percentage or do they get more shares? Is that, is that the way it works? Yeah. Got it's
3: it. A, you know, some small shares and, and we just started that too, because I really wanted to make sure on the tax ramifications but also to, you know for them to be really sure this is the direction that they want to go to I'm very very lucky that amber and Ashley are opposites in personality they're very different people but it works out great because why amber loves the talk she's so soothing and talking to people when they're that they, you know they're irate Ashley on the other hand is a very quiet person but she's very detailed oriented, she keeps mm-hmm. up with numbers does bookkeeping and stuff like that and they do complement each other so I, I was very lucky in that area because I know that always is not the case when siblings work together but they work very well together because when you know Amber doesn't want to keep up with the details she hands out to Ashley Ashley doesn't want to talk to people she hands that over to Amber so it works out really well.
1: And Amber, were you worried that you would not be able to work with your sister? Did you guys get along when you were growing up? And because typical teenage girls, they typically, you know, hate each other. They hate their mom. They hate the world. They hate everybody from what I understand, from what I can see from the outside in. When I, when I have my friends with teenage girls, I don't have any, but.
4: uh, (laughs) I was definitely worried about it because we are, we bunk, do bunk a lot and. That is normal when you work with family. Even my mom and I, my mom and I's personalities can be very similar in that we rub things off really easily. But even my mom and I will bunk heads. So it was only natural that it was gonna happen between Ashley and I. But I will say over time, we, I guess, learn how to like coexist if we don't we're not willing to talk to each other I know when we're mad when we're emailing communicating instead of going to each other's office so I know that okay I shouldn't go back there and make a joke I should probably just stay in my seat and put a bubble in my mouth so we'll email correspond then but it was trickier in the beginning because I was very immature but I think as you grow up and you realize like okay you're kind of an adult now act like it then unfortunately you learn how to just deal with off of people's toes i will
3: tell you one she has grown so much it's amazing but one thing that rob and i even had to learn when we worked together was when we walked through the front door of the office we're business partners not husband and wife and i mean we could have a fight at the breakfast table but no one would know it when we were working in the office because we would just put that aside and that is the one lesson that i have had to train the girls that you're not sisters in this office you are co-workers and I'm not mom I'm your boss and so mm. having to take that emotion out no matter what's going on
1: easy um, to say hard to do though yeah
3: it's very hard yeah. and that's why I'm saying she's this is a process and she's gotten so good at it lately I mean she's really grown. I still go
4: back in her office and cry if I need to but and like you hard. can't <laughs> do that with a regular boss but <laughs> I mean if I'm upset with her because you know she hurt my feelings because of a business decision you do have to just kind of be like okay
1: it's what's best for the business, right? We had a mantra right. at Empire, what's best for the business. Not what's best for Pete or what's best for Steve. It's what's best right. for the business. right? Now, that's hard to do because, you know, obviously, you know, you guys see each other outside of work all the time. And, uh, and of course, you know, business talk starts happening. Do you guys talk a lot of business in your social environments?
4: Yes, yeah. we do. Yeah. But that just comes with, you know, when you're – your mom owns the company and you are just as passionate about it as your mom is. And for my sister and I, we're trying to understand all the ropes, everything that comes into it. And that does mean the after-hour emails, the discussing what happened during the workday. And ultimately, like my sister and my mom are a little bit more higher up, so they have to talk about the financials. And sometimes you don't want the other people hearing about it. And so, yeah, we do have a lot of -of out-of-office conversation, but I think it's, it's like not, it's, sometimes it's not a healthy amount. My mom has a really bad email checking addiction and she is constantly checking her emails but and then
1: forward them to you while you're sitting there. Take care of this.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> She'll be there and it's like eight o'clock at night. So, did you see that email? I'm like, actually, no, it's been two seconds. I haven't seen it. My bad.
1: <laughs> so, now Trish, you have a third child that's not in the business. Let's just say, let's just say he doesn't join the business. Would you still give him percent ownership of the business? Or is that just for the, the kids that like, let's say when you are 90 and you retire, right? You're, you're going to have assets that are, are going to divvy up. Are you going to eventually retire and give the full business out and not have a portion of that business to the kids? Like, how, how do you think that that's going to work? I,
3: if he does not want to join, then I can't say that I'm going to do that because I feel like the kids who are putting in the work are the ones that should get the business. Now I do have investment properties, which I would certainly split among all my children because they're owned separate from the business, but the business itself, I do feel like those who put in the elbow grease are the ones that, that should deserve that part of the business.
1: Now, how do you, how do you end up like, obviously at some point in time you'll, you'll be not the CEO of the business and you'll be maybe just a, Kind of a figurehead so to speak right and letting uh, the, the kids run it how do you determine if the girls can become one of the girls can become ceo or or hire from outside uh or which one has that that skill set like is there have you guys talked about that at all about future i know that's kind of a ways down the the the, the, the road but it goes fast right
3: it does go fast and, and i'll be frank with you we've only had very small conversations about it I think that Amber would understand that Ashley should handle the money part because she's very good. What? At, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but there's parts know. that Amber are, is far better at handling as well. But I do think that what I do right now is I'm trying to let them make decisions where, I mean, I may, I'm still making the final decision, but I want to know how would you handle this in hopes that they're learning how think for themselves to make the best choice so we haven't though made any kind of firm thing of 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 how the company will run in the future but i do believe the more they grow together the more they'll be able to do without any problem now if robbie gets stuck in there that might be another (laughs) issue the
1: the prodigal son returns and and he becomes the savior and ceo we've read that book (laughs) before (laughs) He's got so a lot of growing up to do with it, that. All right, so Amber, if, so, if somebody's listening to this and they're second generation and they're, you know, I think one of the challenges could be that the second generation is not patient and they want to like run the business right away. So what what would you tell like if somebody's listening in a second generation, like how long should they be patient and then what what are the steps that they should take so that they can position themselves to run the business?
4: Well, I'm patient is nowhere near my middle name at all. So I can tell you that I'm definitely a part of the like, not having a long enough fuse. I'm very much like, I just want to get after it. But I will say that aligning yourself with like, I hate admitting it, but sometimes your family is right when they try to advise you that, you know, you can't just like fall in the ditch right away. Sometimes you have to trust that you don't need to use the ditch as an example. Like just trust me. And so I think it goes with just trusting your family's decisions sometimes or advice. Like my sister, she's been working here full time, like what, six, seven years full time. And she's been licensed. Yeah, so she's been doing this for a long time and she's not even, you know, anywhere ready to to run the company 100%. And I'm half that time, if not even less, so I'm nowhere near it, but, um, I just hope that anyone listening to it, to this, that second generation is that you just become really realistic with what your decisions entail. And if you think you're so ballsy and you're ready to go, then like, I hope that your family loves you enough to come up behind you and pick up that, that failure for you. Got not it. failure. That was the wrong word to use. That was a really aggressive, Maybe pick bad, up any, yeah. pick it back up. Cause you just, it's, you're not going to be ready to go in after two years of being in the industry, basically.
1: So Trish, if let's say Ashley's been there six, seven years, let's say she says, Hey ma, this is great, but I kind of want out. I'm going to go become a CPA and I'm going to go run, I'm going to go run, <laughs> run with a big six firm or something.
3: Lord, I'm about to change my wheel now.
4: If <laughs> I about to say I better be in my will only. <laughs> you know what? If she
3: really said that, I would do my best to support her and whatever she wants to do. And that would be the truth with Amber. It would kill my soul, break my heart. I love working with the Especially girls. Me. I really, really do love working with them. But I, will, I want my kids to be happy with what they're doing. I want them to be fulfilling their dreams.
1: Yeah, cause let's be honest, right? Running a business is not easy, right? It no, gets easier not. over time because you get better, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. get easier. And then running property management, I mean, it is soul crushing, right? I mean, how many people get chewed up and spit out in, in, in property management? So it's not, it's not for everybody. Yeah. And so I, what, I, what I'm hearing is you have to have lots of conversation, about where where you are and and where you want to go and how you get there. Is that, is that kind of?
3: It's very true. And and not just that, you know, Amber was talking about earlier, the patience, you wisdom takes time and that's very valuable to have. But I will tell you, even one of those things I struggled with when the girls started was I'm got thicker skin. I'm used to tenants and owners yelling at me. The minute they did it with one of the girls, I was, you know, you, you try to be not mom, but your mama bear instinct goes in. And I will tell you that we had a very funny time when Amber was getting chewed to pieces by this tenant and I'm ready. I'm trying to grab that phone out of her hand because I'm ready to let them know all about
4: (laughs) it was during the freeze, I think.
3: I think it was during the freeze. And she said, let me handle it, mom. And that was the hardest thing for me to do was to back off and just let her deal with them because your instincts are to protect them, and so, and this is a hard business. You deal with difficult people, and, and you just have to let them do it. You have to let them learn.
1: Yeah. So, Treasure, if somebody's listening to this and, and they're you know they're wanting getting their kids in the business, what is some advice that you would that you would give them?
3: I would tell them. I will take this. I would tell them to take that disc because that is how I knew that Ashley would be more a numbers person. And of course, I always knew Amber was very social and so forth. But I would tell them they need to know their child's weaknesses and strengths and then put them in that area. But I would have them start at the bottom. You, if you have other employees, you really can cause some animosity if you bring someone if you put your child too high
0: mm.
3: and other people have been loyal to you and so forth. So I would say make them start at the bottom let them learn act like it's a, an education you know where they get to move up but but also know what their strengths and weaknesses are don't try to put them if i try to put ashley on the front phones, that would have been a disaster so
1: so maybe put them there for a week to train or to learn but not to long term to listen
3: or something yeah
1: you know? okay so have you had any any like you brought the girls in but you put them on the bottom but you, have you had any issues with with team or challenges with team when you brought the girls in like oh they're going to steal my job or they're they're going to get hired above me I'm going to I'm not going to have any growth here Uh, anything like that
3: yeah I have not with the people that I have now I think the people I have now know I take care of my employees like they're my family but I have had situations where someone didn't like the girls getting moved up but the girls have always earned anything that they've been moved up to but Sometimes insecurities kick in and some people can think differently. I do try very hard to be as fair as I can. I I want to always be transparent and fair, but you know, you can't.
1: Sure. But at the end of the day, the girls are going to hold CFO, CEO type roles because it is their, it is their, their company in theory. You know, my uncle, he owns a food distributor company in New York and both my cousins now literally run the business right? One's the CEO, one's the sales vice president, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just the way family businesses yeah. work. But I do have to ask, has the girls ever underperformed? Did you have to like sit them straight because, you know, and have you ever thought about firing them? Like what happens yeah. if you have a kid that, you know, okay,
3: like, mother, you can be honest. It's okay. okay. I will be <laughs> honest. because my girl is, she understands. Yes. I've had to reprimand them when they're not doing their job
1: you spank work. them you get the wooden spoon out spank yeah. them like, in front saying, of in front I'm of everybody
3: reach.
4: what are you talking about
3: <laughs> <laughs> bigger than her <laughs> i i sit down and discuss with them i really do and i'd rather be slapped on <laughs> <with them. That's laughs> very true because i'm gonna have a, a little come to jesus meeting with her and and i have to have her what are,
1: do you do the, do the old the old i'm not mad i'm just disappointed you do that. Oh my one?
4: gosh, Amber! I've just been <laughs> reflecting, and I just think that yeah, it's the whole thing.
1: I'm sorry, I don't mean to. So tell me, so what happened? So, so they were on. So Amber was underperforming. Let's let's see. You know, Ashley is a is a gold star. You did
3: name drop? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I, I basically we had a repetitive problem, and mm, I'll just go it ahead and let you know. Amber has sometimes doesn't hit that a lot. She hits a snooze a few too many times. Okay. And I said to her, if you were working somewhere else, you wouldn't have a job you have got to get yourself to work one time. And she did. All I had to do is sit down and have that discussion with her. And, you know, sometimes there's other things. Usually it's when emotions kick in and they don't understand why I'm making a decision. That's usually when we have issues where we have to talk about it. But we have learned that we may not be able to talk about it at the time the whole thing's going on. They may have to wait until lunchtime or after work when I can sit and explain to them, you know, why a decision was made. But we've come a long way where we all communicate. better. And,
1: and do you purposely have those, those conversations in the office, like in the conference room or in your office versus like having it at the house or, or in a social setting? Cause you want to make sure like office is office and yeah. social is social.
3: Not necessarily. It, it, it depends if it's something okay. where I'm having to correct something they're doing. I do it privately. I don't let, and I do that with all of my employees. I don't, I don't reprimand in front of other people. I will discuss it, you know, one-on-one. But if we have a group problem, like if we're not, as a group, not doing something, then we will go to the conference room and we'll discuss it as a group. But it it, it, it depends on the subject matter and the situation, whether I'm going to go private or whether it's going to be out in the open.
1: Amber, how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking. I just turned 22. You you just had a birthday, right? 22. Mm -hmm. And so you've been working with your mom for the last two years or is it longer now?
4: Since I was eighteen, right after high school.
1: Right after high school. Yeah. And that's when your that's when your dad passed. It was about was about that? My dad or?
4: passed away when I was sixteen. So he passed away just when I was about to go into sophomore year, high school.
1: Did that have any impact on you wanting to join the business and uh, and help you, and help your mom grow the business?
4: Absolutely. I feel like I even to this day when I go to NARFAM, especially like the national conventions where you get to see like Your friends in Austin and San Antonio, which I know my dad has a lot of dear friends out there, they'll tell me all the time that like when I enter a room and how I speak that like my dad has to be so proud. And it's because I literally watched him take leadership, take a role. I knew that was my personality as well. I did not do well being told what to do. And I was always like, but you can ask my mom. and (laughs) Yeah, I was not, I didn't like it, but I liked that he just kind of took control over everything and he just kind of went after it and even if he didn't know a lot about it he just faked it half the time he saw him he probably didn't know what he was actually talking about and that's i thrive off of that i don't know what i'm talking about actually right now and i'm just kind of making (laughs) it up and it sounds great because i know how to talk so absolutely he's been a huge role model in in what i wanted to do here and he still is and my mom and i talk about it all the time about how like she said, I have to still work my way to the top. I'm not doing anywhere near what my dad was doing, but eventually she's going to allow me to do more and more and hopefully help run first class like my dad did.
1: Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot to learn. And then there's a lot of education, which you're doing a great job of. You take advantage of all the NARPM education, you know, you're learning about personality profiling and, and I'll keep reading the books and, and track. I know you guys, do you guys do EOS in, in uh, at first class? Do you guys use traction e- EOS system? Mm-hmm. You do? Yeah. So yeah, I know Rob was, he was a man of action. They, he got stuff done. That's my <laughs> one, my one thing, my thing at Nartham level as
3: Amber has for sure. In fact, Amber was sharing a memory of it was when you were president of Nartham Houston chapter and she, I remember her even asking me this, why is dad laugh so hard when he's talking to Pete on the phone? And he always says, "Pete, what did you do? And then yeah. <laughs> And I said, yeah, they had regular conversations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we had some good times. We sure did. Man, just a man that I admired so much and, and helped me out so much. Like I used to call him all the time, him and Mike Mengden, Mike, shout out to you. If you're one yes. of the, if you Absolutely. one of the four people that download our, our podcast. So reach out there the Mike. <laughs> All right, are there are there any other nuggets that you would give anybody who's listening that's talking, you know, thinking about second generation or any other nuggets before we go to break that you, that either one of you could uh, could think through? We talked we talked a lot about a lot of stuff here, so uh, it seems like it's mainly: are you ready? Don't force your kid into it. it. You know, make sure that they perform. Start them at the bottom and have lots of conversation. Try to break out uh, business versus versus, you know, personal.
4: So one thing I would add that I did was that I would advise people to not let your ego take control of the decisions you make or how you treat people. There were times where I was extremely hostile towards my mom when she wouldn't let me do something cause I just knew I could do it cause I watched it since dinosaur years, I've been watching my parents do it forever now, but I would get a big ego about it and then I fail. So I just talked all this talk and then I couldn't do it. So I would just advise anyone who's going to join the family company, regardless of what it is to let yourself be trained. You don't know everything. You're not going to know everything in two years either.
1: And you don't don't have to know everything. You don't have to know
4: everything. Exactly. You don't have to either. You do not have to know everything. You do not have to just jump from zero to a hundred. Yeah. My mom doesn't know everything. So it's, it's, I would not let your ego destroy what you could, your potential. I would say
1: there's, there's a lot more positives on taking over second generation business than negatives, right? The negatives are it, it's, you have to be very patient. Sometimes you have the, uh, what do they call it? Powdered butt syndrome where you, your your, 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 your parents won't give you the big deal because they, you know, they, they, they raised you. Right. So you have to get, got, kind of get over that. But the positive is, you you take over a company that's been in business you know first class been in business what now 20 years yeah about 22 years now 20 so you're getting name brand recognition you're getting processes already you have team you you and you have mentors that are taking that are bringing you right so trish you're probably going to take this to six seven eight hundred doors right and that's probably like that's probably your vision amber you probably you might take this across the state of texas Right? It, it, like, because you have such a such a, uh, a beginner, you saw, like, you know, when I started Empire zero doors, Trish, when you started first class, would you have zero doors? Absolutely. It takes a long time to 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 mature that company. I know it, it took me over seven years just to start getting where we were like getting our, 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 our marketing and our sales and our processes all in order and learning how to like hire the right team. And you, you're, you get, you're going to get all of that and then some, and then when, when Trish, when you decide to step down or take a lesser role, you still have that confidant and that person to, to mentor you. So I think there's lots of positives, but there are some negatives. If you're not patient and you have a big ego, can, can, you can abruptly leave the business, right? Unfortunately.
4: Also, another negative is if you don't join Narfom, then you don't have the extended family because I can tell you right now that we, especially after losing my dad, there were tons of people who my mom could call that were there for her. You were there for her. Mike was there for her, Paula, Elias, like all of our local members, but even like Austin members, San Antonio members, like all came together to help. And so I think that another positive is, especially with the property management industry, is joining NARPM and joining it on whatever level you're comfortable with. Because now I know that whoever's going to join NARPM from now until I'm done with this, I now have those contacts. I now have those friendships. And I watched my mom do it. Don't be scared to ask for help. Gosh. And so, yeah, it's, um, it sucks if you don't be in, if you're not in uh, NARPM.
1: Did you know, I, I heard a stat. I don't know how true it is. They said the stat is that the average property manager is 52 years old. That's, that's the stat i heard yeah that's the stat i heard and if you ever go to a narp a narp room broker owner you would think that that's that's young <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding all right, all right. we're gonna be right back everybody we'll be right back for the the lightning round we will have a double lightning rounder it's gonna be awesome epic stay tuned we'll be right back
0: create the best moving experience for your resident or homeowner Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, We create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com.
2: Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help. VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistants for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part, VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. PestShare, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bed bugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers.
1: all right welcome back everybody all right are you guys ready for the lightning round did you like my sound effects that's that's the lightning all right all right we're gonna put you amber we're gonna put you on the on the clock you ready for the lightning round
4: because
1: you're the one who says you're outgoing right you're the one who's outgoing so all right what what pm software do you use all right maybe i should have started with trish Maybe this was a bad idea. Yeah. Just kidding.
4: <laughs> well, we use other
3: software too, but our main one is rent manager. All right. She's probably thinking
4: about rent manager email. and property mail. Rent manager and property
1: mail. Nice. What is your current organizational structure? Trish, I'll let you answer this one, I guess.
3: Yeah, departmental. Departmental.
1: Okay. Do you use virtual assistants? Yes.
3: All
1: right. Do you have BDMs or salespeople? Dedicated salespeople? Not right
3: now. No, I'm the BDM. <laughs> all right.
1: That was one piece that Rob did really well, wasn't it?
3: He did. He was amazing. All
1: right. Trish, what is one piece of advice you'd give someone just starting out in the PM business?
3: Screen your owners as well as you screen tenants. And that's the hardest lesson that I've, I still struggle with sometimes. But a bad owner is, will suck the life out of you. So screen your owners as well as you do your tenants.
1: Amber, same question. What is one piece of advice you'd give someone just starting out in the PM business? Since you're just starting on the right. PM business,
4: <laughs> I guess what I said before break just doc, don't get a big ego in it and learn absolutely everything you can.
1: Does pineapple belong on pizza?
4: Absolutely not. I
1: do. I like you guys. Trish, what was your first job?
4: I worked at Wendy's. <laughs> did you really? I did. Back when Jesus was born? Oh, <laughs> the heck of it. <laughs>
1: Amber, what is your ideal vacation?
4: I don't know. I'm not a big vacation person, so I guess just anywhere
1: Trish, what's your ideal that's vacation? Not local.
3: Um, I like anything on a beach. I, beach. I used to do a lot of cruising. I haven't done that in a long time, but I love I love a beach. Like Cayman Islands is my, one of my favorite places
1: to go. Nice. Amber, what is something most people don't know about you?
4: May come as a shock, but I'm not really scared of the camera. Um, he said something I, that people wouldn't know about.
1: Yeah, something that people don't know about you. Ham.
4: I know. The I, ham. I am scared of the dark. <laughs> that's true. All
1: right. Trish, what book are you currently reading or what is one that has impacted your business or life?
3: I just finished five dysfunctional
1: of a team. Teams. Yeah. Patrick Lencioni. I,
3: I thought it was really good. I wouldn't say that's the most influential. Believe it or not, when Rob and I were courting way back in the boonies, his most influential book was how to Think and Grow Rich.
1: Think and Grow Rich. And Napoleon. Hill. I tried
3: to read it back then and I was like, this is the most boring <laughs> book. I did not get it. And then a few years ago I found his book and I reread it and the light bulb went off and I went, Oh my gosh, I get it now. It's about controlling how you think, not you know, what I took it as when I read it the first time. So I think I understand now. What an amazing book that is! But I, I
1: have to you know, say, I had to read it while. I think I need to reread that one. It's been it's been a minute since I read that one. Yeah.
3: It's been a minute.
1: Amber, what Disney character do you most associate with?
4: Goodness, I don't know. Probably whoever didn't listen, I don't know.
3: Well, Mul- I would say Mulan.
4: <laughs> Mulan, probably the red hair girl that went against her family. What was oh. that brave? The princess in brave. Yeah. okay Meredith oh thank you
1: gosh I'm like you're like two years away from Disney like you just you just graduated from (laughs) Disney I thought you would know all of the characters by now Trish what's one
4: you didn't ask me about a book I was like I read sometimes
1: (laughs) I didn't I don't want to hear about a comic book Trish what is your one challenge what (laughs) Trish what is one challenge you're facing in your business
3: oh gosh I confess it's training I'm lousy at training and I I need to learn how to train better
1: all right. Amber, do you prefer dogs or cats? I
4: have some. I can't favorite a child.
1: Trish, I know your answer. What is it? Dogs or cats? Dogs. Yeah, dog, a person. A dog person. All right. Well, guys, appreciate the time here. If uh, if somebody downloads this and they want to talk to you guys about, you know, hey, how do I how do I get my kids involved or how do I do this? How can they reach you guys? Trish, how can they reach you? Uh,
3: they can Call us at 281-807-4700. Or they can go to firstclassmgt.com and email us. But yeah, we're we're available to help any way we can for any NARPA members.
1: Yeah, and I know you guys give back to Narpm all the time, and we appreciate you in the Houston chapter for sure. And of course, you guys do stuff nationally as well. If you want to join Narpm, if you are downloading this and you're not a Narpm member and you're on the fence, please go to narpm.org N-A-R-P-M or call them at eight 800- hundred. 782 3452. And if you want to grow up and be like Trish one day and have virtual assistance, please give us a try at vpmsolutions.com. We have over 25,000 profiles built on the site now. And we have, I think we just added some more training as of this recording. And we got KPI training coming out this week. And we're recording this in July. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for being here today.
0: This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers. The recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org.